You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. I never want to take what God did for granted. And it's easy to do, isn't it? We take for granted the goodness of God, those things that God has done in our lives. And so I think we would do well, as David does here, to just thank Him, to praise Him. Get your mind off of that. Get your eyes off of that, off of them. Maybe it represents a person in your life. It's so easy to take the blessings that God has given to you for granted. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to follow David's example in this psalm. Stop what you're doing. Take the time to thank God and praise God for all the things that He's done for you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 144, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The enemy is all about getting us to focus on that one thing that is troubling us. And by doing that, he gets our mind and our focus off the 1,000 things that we have to be grateful for that God has done in our lives. I mean, if you ever gone back, in fact, this is something uh, throughout my prayer journal I've always made a practice of doing, is just thanking God specifically for specific things, and, and never taking for granted. Here, here's an example. I, I don't want to get too far off on this, but uh, too late I already did. <laughs> you know that October 2nd of this year, will be three years since we have been in this beautiful church building. Do you know that every single time I come to this beautiful church building, I still thank God for this church. I mean, it is a miracle, and as only God can, and I tell you, it's it's brought to the forefront whenever we have a guest speaker, like we've had the last couple, three weeks, and I'll, I'll take them around, and I'm, I'm, I'm bragging on God, man. I'm like, God gave us this, and look at this. And, and they always, when they, first of all, when they walk out, I'll never forget when Jack was here uh, the very first time. He pulls up in the morning. He says, uh, text me, says, JD, I'm in the parking lot. Come down. I'm like, oh no, what happened? I get down there. He's like, are you kidding me? He was just stunned. I mean, he was just blown away. This is beautiful. So we're doing like, you know, FaceTime Live and selfies and pictures and posting it on social media. And I mean, he's just blown away. So the last couple of guest speakers, I'll I'll take them upstairs, uh, you know, in front of where the children's ministry is. And you got the call house, I mean, right there. And then you got the water right there. And I mean, they just, it is just, it's just, and I thank God for this all the time. I never want to take what God did for granted. And it's easy to do, isn't it? We take for granted 
the goodness of God, those things that God has done in our lives. And so I think we would do well, as David does here, to just thank Him, to praise Him. Get your mind off of that. Get your eyes off of that, off of them. Maybe it represents a person in your life that is just, I mean, (laughs) it's like, God, why? (laughs) Why, Lord? And I mean, you never know. God has them in your life, perhaps for a reason. But don't look at them. Get your eyes off of that and sing a new song to the Lord and praise Him and thank Him. And this is what he says in verse 10, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. In other words, God, you've delivered me from the jaws of death so many times. I shouldn't even be alive, and yet you delivered me. And now verse 11, rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Now verse 12, he kind of turns a corner and he's asking God, he's praying concerning those under his leadership, as it were, because now he's king. And he prays that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. And then he says this, lastly, verse 15, happy are the people who are in such a state Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. This is an interesting psalm. It's believed that it was penned by David when he had finally, after all of these years, taken his rightful place on the throne as Israel's king. You know, I was doing some research on this, and there's really no definitive passage that tells us the exact amount of time it was between when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint David, the next king of Israel, to succeed Saul, and the time that he actually sat on the throne as king of Israel. And by the way, as the greatest king in the history of Israel. Some think he was a teenager at the time, some suggest maybe about 13 years old, and then it's believed that he was probably about 30 years old when he finally took his rightful place on the throne as king. (laughs) If my math is correct, that's 17 years from the time that he was anointed to be king to the time that he became king. That's a long time. That's a long time. I think of Joseph. Uh, Some believe it was somewhere between 13 to 
also about 17 years from the time that he was given that dream, that he would, you know, that even his parents, that they would all bow down to him. From the time that he had that dream to the time that he was actually the most powerful man in the known world at the time, save Pharaoh, was about 17 years. Hang in there with me, I'm going somewhere with this. Joseph was an amazing leader. David was an amazing leader. But God had to prepare them for that which He was preparing for them, and it took years to do it. And part of that process involved such pain. I think of Joseph, the the amount of discouragement and pain and suffering and betrayal and everything that he went through before he was finally put in that position. God had to prepare him for it. You know, I think about David. This was a a man who had a tender heart. He had a heart after God's own heart. To me, this psalm of David speaks very powerfully, very poignantly to the heart of a leader who has a genuine love and compassion for people under him. I mean, he starts off praying and thanking God for training him for spiritual warfare, if you prefer, for battle, to protect the sheep, the flock of God, the people of God. He talks about giving God all the glory. And then he ends the psalm with a prayer that the people that he is leading as king would be blessed. Their sons and their daughters would be blessed and they would prosper. That's a good leader. That's a good leader, but a good leader doesn't just become a good leader. You know, we talk about a natural born leader. I don't know about that. I don't know if I agree with that. I think there are certain personalities that are maybe better suited, better fitted, just the temperament and the personality, but let's define a good leader. The world will define a good leader as being productive and effective. You know, a hard driving good leader that demands results, that's a good leader. Uh, That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a man who was very compassionate. David was a passionate man, but he was a compassionate man. So was Joseph. What's the common denominator? All that they went through. That's what God did to prepare them to be the compassionate leader that they would become. You know, I think about the why question of, okay, God, you had David anointed king, and then Saul tries to kill him. He's running for his life for, what, 13, 15 years? What's up with that? I mean, why would you let Saul, and there was one time, you might remember the account, very interesting account, where 
David could have killed Saul. He had him right there in the cave. I and mean, what, what are the odds? David is hiding in a cave, and Saul is chasing him. And Saul has to go into, you'll forgive the, I mean, this is just the account of what happened. He had to go relieve himself. And uh, then he's going to sleep in the very cave that David is hiding. And he doesn't know David's there, but David knows Saul's there. And here's David's men going, man, you got him. This is the Lord, man. The Lord is delivering him into your hands. If you kill him now, you can become king, and this is over. You You don't have to run anymore. You can be king. You were anointed king. God has certainly delivered Saul into your hands. Kill him now. And David's like, no. This isn't the Lord. It's not the Lord's timing. This is not the way. I will not. How dare I raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. So he cuts a part of the robe, runs out. Saul figures it out, and they have this conversation from afar, (laughs) because Saul still tried to kill him. He could have killed him. He didn't. This was a test. So now here he finally becomes king after all of these years, and you would think that he would be like, okay, the new sheriff in town. But no, that's not David. Because during that time of preparation, God, you'll forgive me for saying it this way, God was beating the Saul out of David. It was almost like for 17 years, God was saying to David, you'll, you'll be king, just not yet. You're not ready. And here's why. I need to show you what being king over all of Israel is not Saul. I need to get the Saul out of you, because that is not the king you're going to be. And so it's this preparation for that which God is preparing us for. Never, let me say this last thing, we'll go to Psalm 145, never underestimate or even be dismissive of those times when you think, man, God is like, why is this taking so long? It seems like really nothing is happening in my life. I mean, I know, I know you're doing a work in me. I know you can't do a work through me until you've first done that work in me, but Lord, come on already. (laughs) Let's get this show on the road. And I could just hear the Lord saying, just wait, you'll see. You're not ready yet. If I put you in that place that I have prepared for you now prematurely, you would falter, you would fail, and I will not be party to your failure. I can't. That's just not who I am. I cannot put you in that position until you are ready. I need to make you genuinely loving. How am I going to do that? This is how I'm going to do it. I need to make you a compassionate king. I think about Mephibosheth. This was the only remaining heir of Saul, and the compassion and the kindness that David showed to him, having him eat at his table. He gave him the inheritance. I mean, this was, this was unheard of. This was unthinkable. 
Nobody did that. You know, what, you know what you did with the heirs of the king you succeeded? You killed them, because they, they could be a potential threat to the throne. You had them all killed. Not David. David was a kind man. David was a compassionate man. And the bottom line is this, he became that man through that process of preparation. So that when we come to a psalm like 144, and we read of a man who is genuinely concerned for his people, he wants God, he's pleading with God to bless and prosper his people. That is a godly leader. That is a loving leader. You know, I have to confess that this convicts me. Whenever I get to a place in God's Word like this, I always have to ask myself, am I that kind of leader? I I surely want to be. When I think about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, where he would have been damned to hell for all eternity if the Jewish brethren of his would have gotten saved. He was willing to perish in hell because he loved them that much. When he writes to the Thessalonians and says, you know, I I labored like a woman in labor for you. Man, the love that Paul had, and that challenges me and it convicts me. And Lord, do do I love your people like that? Do I, do I have a heart for your people and a love for your people like David did? Well, before I get even more convicted, let's move on. Psalm 145. Now we're told this is a praise of David. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation, verse 4, shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works. Man, verse 6, shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness, and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord, listen to verse 8 now very carefully, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom, and talk of your power, to make known to the sons of men His mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Do you almost get the sense that David is struggling to try to come up with the words as as great with words as he was? This sweet psalmist of Israel, 
is almost like at a loss for words. How do I even begin to praise you and and even talk of your majesty? It's almost like he's, he's asking for help from future generations. Help me out here. Praise the Lord. Extol the Lord. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways, gracious in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill, verse 19, the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth, verse 21, shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless His holy name forever and ever. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) For lack of a better word, that's the only word I can just, it's just, you know what's striking to me about this psalm? is that David had to have such an intimate and close, very close relationship with the Lord to be able to pen a psalm as magnificent as this. This expression and description of the goodness and the kindness of God. (laughs) he's writing in as much as he's able, in as much as words will allow. What this God that he knows so well is like, he's a loving God. He feeds those with what they need. He takes care. He hears their cry. He's compassionate. He's not angry. He's slow to anger. He's loving. He's kind. He's patient. He's good. I know who He is. I want to tell you who He is. This is how David saw God because this is how God is. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? 
if you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 